You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder. There was once a dream. You could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Or shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some pixie dust around, grab your happiest thoughts, and follow me to Neverland. Well, who am I? Well, you should know me by now. Haven't you been listening? It's me, Jeremy, the Spider Pan, and I'm about to lead the way into Neverland, where we're going to have, of course, a lot of fun because we have two, count them, two movie trailers and one television trailer to be able to talk about, as well as some fun Disney news with a little bit of Oscar results. Then, because there's a Power Ranger movie just around the corner, I thought it would be fun to dig up some audio I've been sitting on from a comic convention here from Kansas City for a very long time, where I was delighted, actually, with Austin St. John. Now, I've said many times I was not a fan of the Power Rangers, but, you know, I figured this guy was the Red Rangers, and for a while, Disney did own Saban, and you could find the Power Rangers actually in a Disney park. So, I figured I would go and record it, and I really enjoyed his talk. I will warn you before we get to the audio that at whatever point, they're kind of near the beginning, he decided he would sit down his microphone and just talk plainly to the room. I have done my best to try to make that audio as hearable and understandable as possible. You may have to turn up the volume a little bit on whatever you're listening on, but it's some great audio. Either way, we're going to have a lot of fun today, so we might as well just get straight to it. Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. How many of you college students were fans of Doc McStuffins? You're probably young enough, you probably were watching that. <laughs> As for me, I'm a little old, I've never watched an episode of Doc McStuffins. But this is pretty cool. Over in Orlando, in the Disney's Animal Kingdom Park, you can now meet Doc McStuffins. Uh, she is over by the Rafiki Planet Watch in Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, there's a bit of a greeting. And I apparently uh, there's there's children are very very thrilled that this has now happened. And if you uh, happen to have some young children yourself and are planning a trip, go there. It'll be a great photo opportunity. And there's even a story on the Disney Parks blog of a three year old who was so excited that just squealed. Which that's part of the enjoyment of going to Disney is if you have children, having them be very excited for meeting the characters and and stuff like that. And you know what? As a grown adult, we can still have fun and meet and greet these characters. So if you happen to be a fan of Doc McStuffins and you're in your 20s, who cares? Go in and go hug the character. Go get a photo. Have fun and enjoy. Just don't push a little kid out of the way when you do it, right? <laughs> so this past Sunday was the Academy Awards, also known as the Oscars. And we definitely had some Disney representation going on. And I am rather proud to say that I did really enjoy the fact that Piper, the little Pixar short, has won for Best Animated Short. I really enjoyed it. It was really, really creative, clever, very even believable. Uh, it was almost photorealistic. I really enjoyed it. I'm happy to see that it won. Uh, Disney also took honors for The Jungle Book for Best Visual Effects. Now, I did see some people surprised that Rogue One had, did not win that one, but when you consider The Jungle Book, considering it's probably more of an animated film than it is really a live-action film, this really only had one live actor. The entire jungle environment, all of the animal characters were all generated in a computer. 
and that does qualify as some pretty impressive visual effects, so I'm very happy to say the Jungle Book did win for visual effects, even though you could almost consider it a criticism that it's, I don't know why they call it live action, it's an animated movie with one live actor, and there's even people saying such things about rumors that I'm hearing about a Lion King film that could be made, and they're calling it a live action but it's going to basically be animated because you will not probably see a single human in that entire film uh, when it gets made. You know, so, yeah, granted, you could call it an animated film. But there's a difference, I think, though, between creating an animated character that looks like an animated character and creating one that is meant to look like the real thing. And in The Jungle Book, we did see, granted, they're animated, but the uh, the animals in there were very realistic looking. They did not look like a, a typical cartoon style animated character so it was very very impressive Uh, so I did enjoy that and I was glad for them to win also a big winner was Zootopia for best animated feature and this is one of the ones I think got chosen because of its uh, social justice messaging that was going on which I felt was a little heavy handed and a bit preachy and it actually took away from my enjoyment of the film although I did like the film and I was I was really enjoying the innovation of uh, a city where they did consider the type of environment that all these animals lived in I would criticize, though, that this this should have been called Mammaltopia because it was all mammals and we didn't see any birds or reptiles or anything. And if they continue on and make, let's say, a sequel to Zootopia, I would really like to see some other animals represented in the story uh, to just kind of expand it and make it more like an actual Zootopia. Uh, so, but you know, very much congratulations to everybody who worked on that one. Personally, I was pushing for Kubo and the Two Strings to win for Best Animated Feature because that film completely blew my mind. It was amazing visually to look at uh, with with what they did with the puppetry, even having the now largest stop motion puppet ever built with this giant skeleton. If you have not seen this film, I, I highly recommend it. The story is wonderful. Has a look, it's kind of a surprise how it goes uh, towards the end, and it's, it really enforces. Uh, the value of family uh, and good storytelling. Uh, it's really, it's a wonderful movie, and I was really surprised that it didn't win. But I kind of predicted it. I was talking to my wife actually yesterday. It's like, well, Zootopia is going to win because Hollywood loves to, you know, have social justice values in a film, and anything that 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 furthers those, they're going to, of course, you know, be very excited about. And uh, they definitely were. And it is a good movie, and it is deserving. So, uh, congratulations, Zootopia. But I still liked Kubo better. Now, this is very, very cool. Of course, this mainly is a benefit to anyone who is 14 and under. But this is really neat. Out at Walt Disney World in the Disney Springs, this is what used to be known as Downtown Disney, they have a new, uh, sort of a Disney Photo Pass service. And Disney Photo Pass service is generally where you can get professional photos taken of your trip to Walt Disney World. But this is really cool. Uh, And this is, you know, you've seen probably commercials where they have, you know, storybooks that you can have your child's name in or something like that. Uh, And, you know, if you happen to be a UCM college student, you probably don't have, uh, you might have children, but you might not, you know, if you're a traditional student. Non-traditional students, we probably have some children. Uh, But this is a little book now that's personalized for your child, but they actually are going to take photos of your child as whatever character in these little storybooks and put your child into the book with a little bit of Disney magic and a little photo processing. And there are some photos here. There's a little girl who is now uh, playing the role of Anna in, uh, in Frozen in a little book. Uh, I also see a picture here where we have a little girl. Looks like she is uh, Elena of Avalor, I believe, because she's holding a little wand here. But so you get these different storybooks, and then you get to be replaced in the in the book, uh, photos of your child if you're under 14. You can be in it yourself. Now, I would love if they have like a Star Wars available if I were under 14. I'd love to have myself put into a Star Wars book or something like that. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, but this is a very cool feature that you can do now at Disney Springs. Uh, I'm pretty sure this, if not already, it will be available over in Disneyland. They do have a, a uh, downtown Disney area actually in between parks between Disney's California Adventure and Disneyland Park. I do expect that this will be available there. Uh, this is probably going to be a very expensive endeavor, but oh my goodness, the memories you can make with this are just, uh, just it's worth the cost, I would think, right? <laughs> The Neverland Trailer Park. Destination: McDuck Manor. McDuck Manor? As in Scrooge McDuck, the bajillionaire? You're finally gonna sell us. Billy, 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 make Scrooge McDuck. 
you really are, Uncle? How old are you? You used to be a big deal. Whatever happened to you? Used to be a big deal. I'm Scrooge McDuck. I made my name being tougher than the toughies and smarter than the smarties. Sure, you'd want to do it the easy way. Oh my gosh, and nephews! What are your blood types? What's Donald really like? Who's the evil triplet? Louie. Eh. We're just a normal, boring family. Normal? Boring? Ha! Donald Duck is one of the most daring adventurers of all time! Oh wow. A multi-trillion dollar business. I can handle a few juveniles for the weekend. Ah! Besides, we've got a pretty low-key day planned. I'm back! Uncharted territory! Bold new discoveries! You guys, our family is awesome! Aw, oh, family truly is the greatest adventure of all oh, no, the ground! DuckTales, woo! DuckTales, woo! <laughs> we finally got a good look now at the upcoming animated series coming to Disney XD. And yes, it looks kind of different. Uh, you know, this is a more modern style uh, where it's... It's that simplicity that you see often in current animation. Uh, and, you know, as I've heard people comment that it come almost square-shaped sh a size of shape of, of Huey, Louie, and Dewey's heads. Uh, they seem more rectangular with curved edges, but it, it looks pretty good. And they're trying to base this more off some of the original Carl Barks designs. Uh, and uh, I really, it's it looks like it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I am... Still, you know, pretty much excited for this thing, and uh, I'm I'm really liking their voice for Scrooge McDuck. He does sound great, and uh, I mean, th I, there was nothing about this that I didn't like, other than I, you know, the modern simplistic type of animation that seems a little lazy to me. I, I loved the uh, animation of the original. I mean, uh, Disney Television animation. I think used to, I don't know, it had more style to it. Well, like, not that it doesn't have style now, but I mean. You know, if, I, I really liked the look of things. Everything had more something, you know, so, back in the day. And maybe it's just the nostalgia. But, I, you know, I don't know that it looks, as far as design-wise, as good as, like, the 87 and that style and everything. But, you know, as far as a series goes and the fun level, uh, the humor is definitely working for me. Especially, I love the bit at the end with Launchpad. Oh, family. Oh, look, the ground as he's nearly crashing the plane. And a lot more fun with Donald. I, I hope Donald is going to be a mainstay in this series because I'm a huge fan of Donald Duck. I love Love Donald Duck, and we do get to see him doing some different things. But it also does seem like he drops the nephews off with an Uncle Scrooge there at the beginning, and uh, so maybe we're gonna go from that angle, kind of like the original DuckTales series. But I, I'm still hoping that Donald Duck will play a major role in the series. Uh, and overall, I'm excited for this. This looks like it's gonna be a whole lot of fun. Hope you're ready. It'll be here any minute. Is that a rifle? You don't know what a rifle looks like. It's just swords were your thing and guns were mine, but I guess we were both doing guns now. I just didn't know that. Well, that's intense. I see it within you. Fear. Jealousy. Betrayal. It is our duty to cleanse the universe of this weakness. You know, they told me you people were conceited douchebags, but that isn't true at all. Dude. Uh, I'm using my wrong eye. Fruit, put your seatbelt on! Searching for your whole life 
It's right there by your side all along. You're right. All you do is yell at each other. You are not friends. No, we're family. Except maybe her. After all these years, I've found you. And who the hell are you? I'm your dad, Peter. So, yet another trailer and another good look at Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think this might be the closest we get to actually getting a little bit of plot details. And so far as at the end, we finally got a good look at Kurt Russell. And as I have predicted, he is playing Star-Lord Peter Quill's father. Which is a great choice in casting. Now, the the part that is interesting is in the comic books, Peter Quill's father is sort of an evil king. Sort of a... Well, he's just a bad guy. We'll put it like that. And he's kind of an enemy for the Guardians of the Galaxy. And usually when he wants something for Peter, it's usually something uh, troublesome for him. And, you know... James Gunn said that he wanted to do something different with the father and have him be a bit more benevolent, so not exactly sure what's going on. Uh, I have read somewhere that he is supposed to be like Ergo or Ego, the living planet, which, uh, you know, I am not well-versed in Guardians of the Galaxy lore. I don't usually, when I was reading Marvel, I didn't really get into the cosmic characters, uh, except for maybe Darkhawk. I uh, used to love to read that, but when he started getting a bit too cosmic, I kind of started falling away. Uh, I'm more like, I like the street level characters back in the day when I was really reading. I haven't read a whole lot in a while, but anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, we get to see a little bit of Nebula as she's starting to join the Guardians. We see the continued uh, family theme of them, you know, being sort of a weird family of friends that they are together. You know, we are still Groot. Uh, get to see a little bit more of the fun. Uh, overall, this every time they show something new, I get more excited for this movie. <laughs> That's all I can say. This looks like it's going to be immense fun, so I'm definitely excited for it still. And uh, more excited, like I said, every time I see some new footage. So definitely got to check this. This trailer is on YouTube if you haven't seen it already. Go watch it about 500 times, okay? <laughs> and then be really prepared for the movie coming out later this year. Pirates had infected the seas for generations. So I vowed to eliminate them all. And then, there was this boy. Jack Sparrow. Follow him in! He took everything from me. And filled me with... The dead have taken command of the sea. He's searching for Pearl, a girl, and a sparrow. I have heard stories of a mighty Spanish captain who was hunted and killed thousands of men. No, 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 men, no, 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 no. Pirates. Pirates. I once knew a Spaniard named something in Spanish. He's coming for you, Jack. Where's your ship? Your crew? Your pants? Jack, move! I'm so sorry, were you still talking? There's nowhere to hide. Find Sparrow for me. From this moment on, we are to be allies. Considering where your left hand is, I'd say we're more than that. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm not looking for trouble. What a horrible way to live. You will pay for what you did to me. are looking for Jack, so I'm going to swim for it. Karina, stop that. No, 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 don't stop that. This has gone far enough. No, it has not. I saw her ankles. You'd have seen a lot more if you kept your cake holes shut. 
Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. I gotta say that every time I see something for this, it kind of looks pretty cool. It does beg a question, though, as what we do see in here is the, uh, the pirate, well, he's not really a pirate, but the, uh, the ghost captain of, I guess, a ship of, he was a pirate hunter for, probably for the Spanish Navy, uh, was somehow tricked uh, by Johnny Depp or, well, Captain Jack Sparrow as a young boy. And they found somebody who kind of almost looked a little like Johnny Depp. It was kind of cool. Uh, but anyway, so we find a young Captain Jack Sparrow that has tricked this guy into wrecking his ship and they have all die. For whatever reason we do not know, they are given an afterlife as some sort of, uh, ghost sailors. Why in the world did it take so long for them to be able to track down Jack Sparrow to where it's just now happening after all these years? You know, because Jack was just like a, looks like a teenager. And now we have, you know, Johnny Depp is what, you know, around 50. So Jack Sparrow seems to be around 50. What took so long? I have to wonder. But hopefully they will answer that question in the film. Uh, but overall, we don't know. All I know is I do like the guy who's playing the uh, villain of this piece. He's always entertaining, and uh, for some reason he's trying to track down this girl, and of course, Jack Sparrow. Uh, we don't know any more details. There's probably more going on than what we know. Uh, but overall, this looks like a lot of fun. This has a lot of the typical trailer tropes of the very percussive drum thing to uh, different action shots to speed things along and trying to be in rhythm with the uh, Hans Zimmer score there. Uh, so it's a lot of the typical things we see, but either way, it looks very, very cool, and I'm actually kind of excited to see this, and it's opening on Memorial Day, which will be right around my birthday on May 26th, which, by the way, I'm turning 40 on that day. We really should do something fun for uh, our episode for that weekend. Uh, I'm going to have to plan something, have my own Neverland birthday party for myself, turning 40. <laughs> but yeah, so that's coming up Memorial Day, and I, like I said, I am actually going to be a little bit excited for that. To Disney and beyond. So it's uh, pretty pretty simple. So questions? How you guys want to do? Well, I have a couple questions because a couple, couple things we want to get into. Um, you know, being the original. Red Ranger being the, uh, basically kicking all off, I'm doing the martial arts part where I got ready to, um, were inspired by the Power Rangers and it's become their lifestyle. Do you run into that a lot and, you know? Yeah, uh, I mean, gosh, I, I left the business for 20 plus years, so I was, I was a ghost. In fact, I know guys who still curse at me because they spent so many years trying to find me <laughs> to get me back into the business. and. Uh, I went to work as a, as a medic and a firefighter, and I did work with the government for four years through the Department of Defense in the Middle East, so I was, I was a hard guy to find. <laughs> so long and short, now, a little over a year ago, I got together with my agent, Zach, who's floating around here somewhere, uh, and uh, one of the show owners for Lexington, who tracked me down via email. I'm in the Middle East, and I finally get to a place where I can get email, and uh, I get this email from this random guy named Jared, and Jared, who's this? And he's talking about a Comic-Con. I was like, what's a Comic-Con? <laughs> who's Jared? Why did he have my email? And he, probably 12 years prior, somehow found one of the old fire departments I was working at, and found my email in a mass email that had gone out to, to all the medics and whatnot. And I guess he just went through and tried them one at a time. And uh, so I thought, okay, well, I'll bite. Let's see. What's a Comic-Con? And I got this whole explanation. And I thought, okay, wow, that's weird. <laughs> and uh, after that, we didn't, he sent me a few more emails. I didn't really talked to him because I thought maybe he was nuts. And Walter Jones, I was on the Iraqi Kuwaiti border. And uh, every so often, Walter's my boy. He played Zach the Black Man. And uh, we still, you know, <laughs> we're pretty tight. Anyway, so we were catching up. I was like, dude, we're tired of getting blown up. I'm coming home. And he says, you're not going to believe what I'm doing. And then he says the word to me, Comic-Con. And I went, no, come on. He's like, yeah. He's like, all our fans are there and they've grown up. And I was like, no, they didn't stop. <laughs> come on, they got bigger ones. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I got to agree with my agent. He's like, I can book you around the world. You'll be busy. You'll have shows every weekend. Well, I was like, no, stop. <laughs> stop. It's like one show. Let me do one show. Let's see what this is like. And... Uh, then I'll think about global tours, you know, because it's been 20 years since somebody said global tour to me. I was, like, Ooh, I was having 
you know, visions and flashbacks, post-traumatic Hollywood syndrome, it was crazy. <laughs> and I didn't know if I wanted to do that. And, uh, so I did the show in Houston and I met you guys for the first time in 20 years. And you guys were pretty done out awesome. And I got to hear how the story impacted your lives. And I realized, you know, the show was pretty immense, 40 countries, 90 languages, you know, most of you guys were hiding behind mom's leg and you'd come to see me, you know, and wouldn't talk. Uh, a few of you college kids were like, we don't watch Power Rangers. <laughs> you know, because it wasn't cool to watch it then in college. Now people are like, I'm watching it on Netflix, wanna come over? Where's <laughs> the popcorn? So anyway, uh, I started hearing all of the stories and uh, some of them were mind-blowing and heart-touching, you know. Uh, quality family time with people that are no longer here. This was the one hour that abusive and dysfunctional families would all sit down and watch TV and be happy. And other extreme stories that just, I mean, give me goosebumps. So it blew me away. And uh, next thing I know, I'm on a world tour. So uh, we've been in Australia, the UK, Canada, all over the US. And uh, you guys are still touching my heart, you know, hearing a lot of these stories and seeing the affection and the love and the martial arts and, you know, how many different directions each of you got from either myself or one of my castmates and what you chose to do with that direction is pretty incredible. So kudos to you guys. Well, and now you talked about doing the EMT, which you did in Washington, D.C., and you did the stuff with the DOD going overseas, that type of thing. Where, where all did you go? Uh, I, I thought you just read like uh, Kuwait, Iraq, that type of thing. Yeah, it was uh, Kuwait, Iraq, and Afghanistan. And then when we would get some time off, which was uh, dependent on how things were going, you know, we'd get some leave time because you get burned out pretty quick over there. Uh, we would jump into like Abu Dhabi or Dubai, Bahrain, um, some of the closer cities that probably still really sound far away from you guys. But uh, those were places where nobody was shooting at anybody. Kuwait actually wasn't bad either. Kuwait was pretty much non-combat. Uh, Iraq and Afghanistan were not nice. Beautiful, but not nice. So, and, and then all that experience that you had, you, which brings us to your most recent project, Survival Zen. Oh yeah. Could you tell us a little bit about that? How many of you guys are on Facebook or Twitter? Any of you guys on my page already? You seen it? Apparently there's a lot of people trying to, to beat me, I guess, or they were, or yeah, I'm not sure. I know there's a lot of me when I type in Austin St. John. Uh, there used to be about 20 of them. We've got it down to maybe three or four that are out there. The easiest way to find my page is to Google Austin St. John Facebook, and you'll, uh, it'll pop up. And I, now, finally, it took a year to get verified. I'm like, I'm me, I keep telling you, me is me. <laughs> and what about all that was? So look for the blue check mark. Uh, I've been on social media for a little over a year now. I've got a couple hundred thousand people in there. Uh, so uh, we're, we're building. But uh, anyway, the point to that is Survival's End, we've put up on Facebook, on my page, as well as Survival's End Facebook page, a trailer for a movie that we're doing. And uh, any of you familiar with it yet? Some of you maybe? Okay. Uh, we are hoping to finish filming later this year. It's a post-apocalyptic, end-of-the-world sort of thriller. And uh, my character, the director wrote the script before he met me, and then he met me, he goes, you are a medic in the Middle East? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what's a tactical medical operator? I said, well, that's a medic with a rifle. <laughs> and a lot of really cool skills. <laughs> like special forces, I was like, yes and no. And he's like, I have something for you, man. So he hands me the script and we start talking. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty much my life right there. <laughs> Minus the whole 90% of the world dies part. Um, but anyway, so he, you know, 90% of the population dies of this horrible virus that breaks out. My character comes back from the war after inadvertently, inadvertently being a part of a genocide. Uh, he's forced to make a decision that you know, kills millions, and uh, kind of messes with him, puts a few demons up here in his locker. And he comes back, and his wife and his daughter are killed, and so the horrible things happen to him, and he tries to find survivors and, uh, and help keep them alive in this apocalyptic world. And uh, you watch him struggle, and uh, one of his things is he gets the opportunity at the end to go to this kind of Shangri-La. And I mean, you're fighting the government, government's trying to, to finish people off and survivors and stuff. And so he's fighting the government, he's fighting the infected, and he's trying to keep the non-infected alive. 
and it's all kind of his penance because he feels like he was part of this genocide. So rather than go out to the Shangri-La, he feels like his penance is to to continue to carry on, to, to find people and lead them and keep them alive. So uh, it's uh, it's not uh, it's not a gory film. There's going to be some pretty gruesome blisters. So uh, parents, maybe teenage boys or girls would be fine. I don't know about younger than that. Um, and it's you know it's a pretty cool flip. Well, are you are you looking to self distribute or are you looking for a distributor or that type of thing? We are. Can you guys hear me like this? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It feels weird. <laughs> um, so we're looking at self-distro or distribution. I was talking with uh, with uh, Steve. Uh, I can never remember his name. Rudy. You know, we've seen each other at shows all over the world. And I was just sitting there talking. Yeah, we gotta get some distros. Did you just abbreviate distribution? Yeah, I did. Thank <laughs> you. 
dynasty, I'm, I'm dynasty who they're going to bring back, or whether they're going to, you know, some young guy, me, <laughs> passing at the torch, or is he cool, does he look like, I've heard discussions about, uh, what's that, uh, what's the movie, I'm sorry, I've been out of business for 20 years, so all these movies escape me, I want to say it's Twinkle, or t Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Black, uh, Taylor Lautner, Taylor Lautner-ish. If he was the werewolf dude, there was like he was shark boy. Yeah, he was a martial. He was a martial artist. I have heard that uh, he is being looked at for the Red Ranger. Um, no idea if it's true. Thank you. But uh, apparently he's a big man. So. Looks more like Tommy to me. <laughs> anyway, we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. I have no idea who they're looking at for anybody else. Uh, lots of internet. What's your question? Uh, so technology has changed a lot since the very first Power Rangers came yes. out. Um, what was what was the set like? I mean, what type of technology was used for Sword On? And like, I mean, I mean, now it'd all be like green screens and things like that. But like. Like, well, we did a lot of green screens. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give you two words. Low budget. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. So just picture, you know, buildings not like this one. Uh, probably in this room alone, we could build the command center over in that corner, walk across the hallway. Right here would have been the old high school, the lockers, Miss <laughs> Appleby and the principal. And then this corner might have been the juice bar, you know, with Ernie and, and those guys. Uh, and then uh, something else ran so we uh, it was all just in a big warehouse as far as the tech goes we were shooting on film then, which is expensive it's still expensive to shoot on film which is why people get so irked about the budget you see movie budgets going through the roof you, know, you got a 30 day shoot on a film like Batman uh, or you know any Michael Bay you know, Transformers and you figure a dollar to two dollars a foot of film all day, every day for 30 days. Thousands and thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of feet of film. And the budget goes through the roof just to make the camera look. Much less the talent we want the guy behind. So we were shooting film, which was the most expensive part of the operation. And uh, we had green screen, green screen sections where we would come in and you know the whole piece where our faces never change. To this day, when you watch Tyrannosaurus, it's me like this. <laughs> 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 shot for a pilot on green screen, and they're like, oh, it's stock footage. We don't need to go back and change that. <laughs> so they never did. <laughs> budget. So we had green screen stuff, but uh, we definitely didn't have the ability to do it. You know, just running a GoPro digital. People shoot movies on their cell phones right now. And uh, so that is what I'm doing. I've got these independent films that I'm working on, and we're doing them all uh, digital format. And uh, a lot of friends, a lot of favors, a lot of up-and-coming uh, folks. Cause I love working with the underdogs. That's why I became a medic. And uh, we're going to put together some cool stuff, doing it all in digital format, editing on the computer. And uh, we still won't have Michael Bay type special effects, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's still going to be cool. What's that? You don't need that. I like you. <laughs> Good answer. What are you doing? Like? <laughs> Yes. 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 I have a uh, two-part question. Uh, one is, if you were asked to come back and they let you choose a color other than red or gold, or you could choose those two, what color would you choose? And also, would you morph for us? <laughs> <laughs> Would I come back? Probably. If we need to roll for a ride, they give us some time, I would probably do that. As far as what ranger would I be, I can't fathom the other ranger. Damn um, right. <laughs> I have a blast being the gold ranger. I had all the cool facts. I mean, I drove a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Pick another.
another superhero has ever gotten near a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
we, uh, we travel together quite a lot. We're a lot of the same shows. Uh, I haven't seen Amy Jo play Kimberly probably in 20 years, but uh, I hear she's doing well. She's a pretty special gal. And uh, Twee is, uh, Twee passed away, the yellow ring. She was like a sister. So uh, I think that would probably be my favorite team. I don't know that I can pick one. It's a good question. <laughs> So, in the show, when you first, uh, when Rocky was first introduced and he took over as Red Ranger, uh, there was a uh, mention that you and I can't remember who the other Ranger was were like, yeah, we're going to go off and join the Peace Corps somewhere else. Was that like a nod to, were you already like in the works of uh, going overseas? You mentioned uh, being made in going to Afghanistan and Iraq and so on. Is that a nod into what you're going to do, or is that just a crazy impact sense? That was. Uh the way that you guys viewed the series when I left, I was there, everything was fine, there was no warning about me leaving, and then you saw three episodes where all you saw was the back of my head and somebody that kind of sounded like me, but probably wasn't. If you go back and watch those, Brad Hawkins was playing me. And the long and short story is uh, I got together with the other Rangers. I said, uh, this is a non-union show. Uh, I'll tell you what I was being paid say what they were being paid, but it wasn't great. I was making $611 every two weeks for a show that made over a billion in its first year. I'm still not rich. I have no desire to be rich. I mean, I wouldn't complain, but I'm not dying to do it. But I felt like I should be able to pay my bills and maybe help my family out on a show that big with that sort of income. So I went to the other Rangers and said, uh, I've had enough. Yeah, I think at the time it was 1920, I was like, I'm gonna make a stand. I'm going to tell them things don't change. I'm comfortable. Who's with me? And, uh, well, in the end, two uh, stuck with me. And uh, I said, well, this is the way it is. And they said, well, this is the way it is. And I said, goodbye. And they didn't think I would do it. So they filmed three episodes where you saw the back of my head. Somebody's voicing me. And next thing you know, there's a casting call out for a new red, yellow, and black ranger. I didn't want to leave the show. I would like to have stayed, I enjoyed it. But I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stand for what I thought was taking advantage of me. And I wasn't about to lay down for it. I'm a pretty hard-headed guy and I still don't lay down for it. So uh, we left, things, uh, conversations broke down, agreements broke down, and we carried on. So uh, when you look at the transition of power, you talk about Rocky coming in. I get people that ask me all the time, well, how did it feel when Zordon said, you know, Tommy was the leader, you were standing there. I wasn't there <laughs> at all. <laughs> Not even in spirit. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'll bring it to the action. What about all this beef stuff? You ever heard me say anything negative? <laughs> Not once, nor will you. I got better things to do with my time now. So, uh, you know, such is life. But that's kind of how it happened. I disappeared with Twee and Walt. We were out working on other projects. Shortly after that, I traveled the world. I found other martial arts places to study, and uh, I had some hard times. Ended up living out of my Jeep for a while in Riverbed in Arizona, and I would teach martial arts during the day at a studio. Uh, I taught kick kickboxing at, uh, under Master Allen at Foothills Karate Studio. He taught jiu-jitsu. We traded lessons. Uh, not Gracie style, but Machado style. I don't know those of you that follow the arts. And uh, so we traded lessons, and I traveled all around the world and did more martial arts. And then I decided uh, maybe I should get my education. <laughs> and uh, so I had dropped out of high school to take the job, which my father was not happy about. <laughs> and uh, so I went back, got my GED, and then I paid my way through college. I got my bachelor's, I got my second degree in emergency medicine. Now I also sit on a company called, uh, sit on the board for a company called Heartland Image, well, Heartland Image Foundation. Org if you want to check it out. And I uh, head up the education board there. And, uh, we just have, we're approached by the Dean of Northwest University. And I'm hoping, we run filmmaker boot camps. How many of you uh, uh, younger guys, gals, are at high school or grade school somewhere? Okay. So imagine if, how old are you? Uh, 10, almost 11. Okay, so it's a good age. Imagine, have you ever written an essay? Have you done one of those yet? Okay. So we will approach school-age children. Uh, through our website, and we're looking for a 501c3 company. And we ask children, through their parents, to write an essay 
about a story they would like to tell. And then we bring them in, a whole group of them. We pick the best, that person becomes the director. We bring in cameras, film, and art department, and we teach them how as a unit to formulate and build their own short movie. And when they leave, they have their own products that they have produced. You know, parents a lot of times will come and watch because it's pretty cool. So we keep kids busy during the summer. Parents go on vacation. And uh, the kids get to, to be a part of something really cool. And uh, so we just finished our first filmmaker boot camp for, for kids. And uh, now we're going to take that curriculum to some universities and pass it on. And I'm hoping I'll get a PhD out of it. So we'll see. <laughs> but anyways. <laughs> I have another question. Yes, ma'am. Uh, stepping off of the uh, young person who asked, but what was your favorite bad guy that you got to fight with? Well, I spent a lot of time fighting Goldar. Goldar was a good fighter at the start. He and I will still, uh, if we're at conventions together, usually he'll be like right across from us. And you know, he'll spew something out in Goldar's voice. Uh, it's uh, Kerrigan. I don't know how many of you guys have met him. Really cool guy. Yes, Ranger! Spew that out of me, and I'd be like, I took you down once, don't make me do it again. <laughs> so we, we get banter going back and forth. So he's pretty cool. But you didn't ask me about my favorite bat in the world. Because, gentlemen, how many of you noticed once or twice a very attractive evil woman on the show? And I'm not talking about Rita. <laughs> Scorpina, I was waiting for <laughs> Scorpina, and how about the movie? How about Diva Top? Yes! <laughs> Scale of 1 to 10, that's young. <laughs> anyway, uh, she was three months pregnant when she filmed that for the movie. That's what we said. <laughs> what? So, that would probably be my favorite. Uh, you mentioned uh, a lot of, you know, trained in a lot of martial arts. I was, I was just curious, and this is probably on Facebook pages or websites, but uh, how many different styles uh, have you trained in? I have to tell you this because people, especially one individual, they give me a hard time. Uh, you're not really a martial artist. Okay, I'm joking. Anyway, my father was a Marine, and this was back before things changed where. Now they won't let you move any sooner than three years unless you have very specific MOS. Well, back when I was a kid, that didn't exist. So my father, we moved every nine or 12 months. My father started me in Kimball. Uh, my mother put me in at judo at the age of five. Uh, so I had both arts at the age of five. And then we would move. And it wasn't like today where there was 25 martial arts shops on every street corner. It was, I took what was available whenever I got where I went. And I would spend a year there, and uh, I was I was the guy that was in there every day. Every day I could get there, I was in there for hours and hours on it. Uh, so I sucked up a lot of information from probably by the time I was 17, I'd been through 13 maybe different arts. And no, I didn't have black belts in 13 arts. Uh, I had my second don in Taekwondo, my first don in Kenpo by that age. I picked up two more black belts later, and then I discovered that I didn't really care whether. I had a belt or what the belts were about. Uh, I began to understand the importance of passing on the knowledge. I began to understand the importance of, uh, of just treating it with true humility and respect. So since then, I've traveled uh, been through probably a total of 17 different arts, uh, give or take, at much varying levels of exposure. Uh, so it was mixed martial arts I was before mixed martial arts became big in the 90s. Uh, and by big, I mean Horace Gracie broke into the market and put MMA on the map, essentially, with grappling. And you saw a grappling guy take out a strike fight after the late scene. Gosh. So I had learned a lot of that stuff prior. I wasn't the greatest or the best. I'm still not. But I'm very efficient. <laughs> so, uh, quick follow up. Uh, that person who said you're not a real martial artist, uh, why would he say that? What, what does he give those reasons? You know, I, uh, I'm not going to dive too much into that. What I'm going to tell you is that, uh, I'll tell you something pretty pretty straightforward. How many of you guys are online, social media, or somewhere out there? Mm -hmm. How many of you 
have made it a point to get on and, true or not, run off at the mouth about somebody else online. Maybe one. Okay. How good did you feel about it afterwards? Yeah. So, uh, you know, be it online or be it here in front of cameras or, or folks, I'm not going to do that. What I'll say is, uh, you got to have a little more class sometimes. And uh, whether you like somebody, whether you believe in what they do, whether you think it's uh, bogus or not, doesn't mean you got to pop off at the mouth and be a punk. Have a little more respect for class. Being the red baker for the first some of the seasons I can't remember. Uh, what was it like uh, coming back for like the black and gold zero Raider and then like coming back to that forever red, forever red episode? Uh, well, for forever red, I was already in the DC area. I was working in, in bartending, paying my way through school, and I was working as an EMT basic. So I wasn't a medic yet, but I was on my way. So I got, a, I can't remember if it was a phone call or an email, and said, hey, we're going to do this. Would you like to come back and, uh, and be in an episode with the other Red Rangers? Yeah. Well, that's cool. How many has there been? Three? Four? <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Eleven. But only ten are going to be there. Ten. Oh, my gosh. Well, it would be great to see the guys. And, uh, anyway, so uh, I got back, and I had a great time. I think I spent maybe two days on set. Uh, you know, it's a big extended episode, but it well organized, doesn't take long to shoot. So I got to meet uh, a lot of the other Red Rangers, a couple of them were, you were the first, did you sign this? <laughs> wow, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> so I think that's awesome, you know, because they all were totally different in how they upheld the Red Ranger and what they brought to it and each in their own aspects. I thought that was great. So uh, I always appreciate seeing people do something already done and do it in a new and cool sort of way. So that was really cool. The Gold Ranger, I got uh, a call from Shuki, the heavy Israeli accent. I'm going to butcher it really bad right now. But uh, he calls me up. Austin! <laughs> Shuki, what's going on? How are you? I'm good, man. What's up? Because I can feel something's coming. He says, uh, I think maybe you should come meet with us, let's talk, let's maybe, uh, how would you feel, maybe about TV series, you should come meet <laughs> So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I come up to a set where Blake Foster, who became the Blue Ranger, was about to, uh, I don't think he knew he was going to be the Blue Ranger yet, was filming some movie about a puppet. And I'm sitting there on set, next to Shuki, watching Blake, and he's this cute little kid, and, uh, this cute guy. <laughs> and uh, he's like, so maybe you come back as Gold Ranger, maybe 17 episodes, you, uh, you know, Sixth Ranger, Big Mantle, Pyramid, you fight good times. <laughs> and, uh, probably wasn't exactly the words, but it was a long time. <laughs> well, let's talk about a paycheck. <laughs> 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 I said, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, there's no need to talk about it. And in the end, I, uh, they agreed to a, a minus paycheck I can deal with. And uh, he says, uh, what about maybe second movie? Second movie. What's the premise? And he tells me, you know, Red Ranger's like, you can be Red Ranger, you can do this, you can do that, it'll be cool. It's like, who's the Red Ranger now, I had to ask. And uh, it was Tommy at the time. And I thought, okay, well, that's cool. He's, uh, he's a natural choice. You know, when I left, he's a good choice for a leader. I don't need to see him to come back. I said, uh, what about making me? And he says, and I can see the wheels start turning. <laughs> Jason, evil. <laughs> you know, because I was about the most wholesome character in the show. So I don't think you could even fathom the idea. And he's like, you're, you're, you're guilty of Jason. <laughs> yes. I was there when I was me, I know. <laughs> so it, Said, I said, what if, you know, you bring me in, I'm not a ranger, and, uh, you know, I carry a supporting role, and somehow I get turned evil, I fight the rangers, and then, you know, at the end, we get the big happy, everybody loves everybody story. He's like, what do you think? And about three seconds later, he's like, I like this idea. Because <laughs> he was he an was extremely creative mind, 
And so he made some phone calls, and next thing I know, I'm being dipped in a volcano. I have red glowing eyes. <laughs> I beat the snot out of three Power Rangers in about three seconds. End up with one over a fire pit, and then, you know, I guess evil overcomes me, and I get dumped in the fire pit. And uh, you know, I remember when uh, Frank and I we were choreographing a fight because we're martial artists, and we have this whole genre of talent that we wanted to use. That well, we're on Power Rangers, so me grabbing him with chains, because my hands were chained. I was like, yeah, what about at this point, you know, I get you in a block, turn you over, I'll flip you over my head using the chains by the neck. And director's like, no. <laughs> Too violent, you know. So we went through about 30 other options. Too violent. And we settled on what we got. It was just, I was like, okay, my character, he's evil. He's just going to butcher you real quick. Punch a couple times, kick you, get you up over there, and we'll call it a day. And we both wanted to do more, but that was not so evil that we couldn't put it on top of <laughs> Okay, we got about five more minutes, so we're going to kind of do a lightning round on this. Get through, see if we how quickly we can get through the questions. All right. Uh, several of the Red Rangers now have been based off of your characters. So far, the only true Red Ranger that's based off of you is Troy from uh, Power Rangers Mega Force. Does it? Doesn't he kind of remind you of yourself when you were that age? I have no idea who Troy is. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he's a lot based off of your character. He's, um, he was a great martial artist, deeply cared for his, um, for his, uh, for his team. And, well, um, a lot of his characteristics are based off of you. Well, I guess that's one heck of a compliment. <laughs> it's pretty cool how to meet Troy. I have a simple question this time. Um, how did you feel about the original Power Rangers movie, the very first one? Uh, well, I was originally contracted to do it, and uh, we walked off the series uh, maybe a month before they started shooting. So uh, I had seen the script, which very quickly got me written, and uh, I thought it was going to be pretty cool. I was actually looking forward to doing it. And uh, I don't think I realized what an impact my character would have on the show, and I really didn't know until 20 years later. But uh, I thought the first movie was going to be pretty cool. And I guess, I guess it didn't do so well at the box office. But uh, I guess for that, I'm glad I'm not in that. <laughs> uh, if you could have the Power Rangers crossover with any other show or movie, what would you choose? It would have to be something probably between a crossover with. It would be the Power Arrow Walking Dead. He's <laughs> making stuff up. Okay. <laughs> so when you were when you were overseas, did anyone recognize you as being a Red Ranger? And did like treat you differently, or were they like starstruck, or? I chose not to, to talk about it while I was overseas. Uh, I felt like I was I was with uh, men and women that were there, many of them not of their own choice. And uh, I didn't I didn't want to pull attention. So I did my very best. I had a pretty thick beard. I rarely ever spoke of it. <clears throat> um, sometimes people would ask, nope. Because you tell one 18-year-old soldier. And the entire base and the country are going to know in about 15 minutes. Um, and there were other times where I'd meet the guys privately and I would tell them, listen, come back and see me before you punch out, before you go home. And then I would sign for them before they'd go home. That way they didn't have too much time to spread it all over the country. Yeah. Because the last thing I needed was lines of people coming out of my tent. Um, so it, there were occasions on the ambulance, you know, the guys got a broken up arm, put him in a spine, giving him some IV drugs. You know, it's miserable. And then uh, the drugs hit, and it's like, I kind of look. Were you? Yeah. There were a few occasions. But for the most people, uh, for the most part, when people were hurt, the last thing they were thinking about was television. But uh, there was definitely some, some double and triple takes. 
some chow hall events. We walk into DFAC, and I remember it was a full bird colonel who had just come over, and I guess his boys were big into the show. And uh, he was running off getting really excited, and I was like, oh my god, is you the Red Ranger? <laughs> full bird colonel. Yeah, because you don't tell him no. <laughs> Next thing I know, there's a lunch line at my table. See <laughs> 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 well, with rifles hanging on so. <laughs> It was good times. <laughs> all right, I think that's all the time we have for ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland.